You need to turn with me to the gospel according to Luke, the 19th chapter, and uh, we'll jump in here and read these verses here in just a second. Luke chapter 19, verses 1 through 10. Father, we love you and we thank you for your love for us. We thank you for the opportunity to share your word and ask God for your anointing. Lord, I can't do this without your touch. And your people cannot receive the word without your touch. We pray, God, that you'd move in a mighty way and that you'd touch our lives. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Luke chapter 19, starting at verse number 1. And Jesus entered and passed through Jericho. And behold, there was a man named Zacchaeus, which was the chief among the publicans. And he was rich. And he sought to see Jesus, who he was. And could not for the press because he was little of stature. And he ran before and climbed up into a sycamore tree to see him. For he was to pass that way. And when Jesus came to the place, he looked up and saw him and said unto him, Zacchaeus, make haste. Hurry up. We all need to hurry once in a while, don't we? I know people that I want to tell them, hurry every chance you get. Do you know people like that? I told my oldest daughter, if you die before I do, we're going to wheel your coffin in 10 minutes late, symbolically. <laughs> she didn't like it. Okay. Make haste and come down today, for I must abide at thy house. And he made haste and came down and received him joyfully. And when they saw it, they all murmured, saying that he was gone to be Guest with a man that is a sinner. And Zacchaeus stood and said unto the Lord, Behold, Lord, the half of my goods I give to the poor. And if I have taken anything from any man by false accusation, I restore him fourfold. And Jesus said unto him, This day is salvation come to, to this house. For, as much, for so as much as he also is a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man is come to seek and to save that which was lost. When it comes to things scriptural, there are a lot of incidents and parables and references that I cannot tell you how long I have known them. Because they are woven into the fabric of my earliest memories. The story of Zacchaeus certainly falls in, into this category. Some of these things I learned uh, from exposure to sermons and, and Sunday school lessons. Dr. James Dobson said years ago, I was listening to one of his teachings, and, and he said in this teaching, when it comes to Christianity in the lives of children, more things are caught than taught. And I did a lot of catching. I did a lot of catching. I've uh, been in church all of my life, and, and I just loved it, and I, and I caught a lot of things. Some things, I, I, I learned them by rote memorization. Like John 3.16. My, uh, my mother loves the Lord. Mom was an active Christian, and... Uh, 
began playing the piano for her home church when she was 12 years old. And, uh, and so uh, all my life, I, I've been in church. And I, I don't know. I told you I can't remember when I learned all of these things. But, but I, it, it had to be something like this. I just imagine mom setting me in a, in a high chair when I was just beginning to talk. And, and, and saying to me, now, repeat this. And I began to try to repeat, try to repeat, try to repeat. And finally, just by saying it over and over and over again, I'm sure the day came when I said, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. And I can't remember when I didn't know that. Besides that, I can't remember when I didn't believe that. Because all of my life I've believed that God loved the world and in the world He loved me individually. He loves me and He loves you. God loves the world and He loves you, every one of you. God loves you. And there were things that I know I had to learn through rote memorization. But there were some things that I learned because of a song that was related to the person or the circumstances. Some things that I learned. Uh, I, I, I love that old kid's chorus that says, The wise man built his house on a rock, and the rains came and, a, and the house came tumbling down. I, I, I love that old song. I learned that because it had a melody to it. And I had to learn something about Zacchaeus. When my mama put it to a melody, and, and or my children's church teacher, my Sunday school teacher, I don't know, but somebody put it to a melody and we sang, Zacchaeus was a wee little man, and a wee little man was he. He climbed up in the sycamore tree, the Savior for to see. And as the Savior passed that way, he looked up in the tree and he said, Zacchaeus, you come down from there for I'm going to your house today. I, I, I probably learned it that way, Bill. I probably did. And the thing about it is, is that song tells the story and really includes most, if not all, of the, the details that you really need to know about the story of Zacchaeus and, and his encounter with Jesus. It's, it's a cute little song. And, and you learn it. Learn a lot of things just by putting a melody to it. However, in the time that we have together today, I want us to unpack this story in a little bit different way. So I want you to consider with me four things, okay? Not three today, four things today, all right? Let's talk about the curious tax collector in verses 1 through 6. And then let's consider the, the critical tagalongs in verse number 7. Following that, we'll look at the convert's testimony in verses 8 and 9. And then the fourth thing we'll look at in verse number 10 is the core truth. So, so let's start talking about the curious tax collector. People followed Jesus for a number of reasons. Followed Jesus for a number of reasons. You know, you're, you're here today for a number of reasons. You know, 
Some of you may be here because your wife kicked you out of bed and said, we're going to church today. It's Sunday. I figure that's why Lloyd's here. <laughs> Thelma, you're, you're going to go to church this morning. So some of us are, you know, because our, maybe our spouse said, or, and maybe your parents said, you know, it's church day. And the right thing to do is to get up. We're going to go to the house of the Lord. We're going to worship the Lord. You know, I got an idea that most of these kids are not here because somebody forced them to be. If they were, they wouldn't be down here on these first two or three rows. That says something about the character of our young people and also about the leadership of our youth pastor. Let me tell you something. Nobody, nobody has finer young people than Christ's Legacy Church. Now I'm telling you, these are, these are fine young people. But, but you know, we've, we come for a lot of different reasons. Somebody makes this come, or we come because our friends are here, or we come because we like the worship, or, you know, any, any number of things. But people follow Jesus for a number of reasons. Some because he was their best friend. Jesus had 12 apostles, but scholars will tell you that in those 12, there was an inner circle, Okay. And that inner circle was Peter and James and John. You read about it. You pay attention to what the scripture says. And you'll find over and over it's Peter and James and John. Peter and James and John. Jesus was their best friend. They were his best friends. They loved him. But they followed him because he was their best friend. Okay. And then, then there were some that, that followed him because they had a passion in their hearts. For his work and for his word. And they loved him too, and that's, that's the other nine. And, and I'm sure there were some besides those 12 because, you know, Jesus went to a mountaintop to pray, and he prayed all night long, and he came down, and there was a big group gathered around there, and, and he picked out the 12, and he said, you're my apostles. You, you follow me, you're my apostles. So, so there were some that, that followed because there was a passion in their hearts for his work and, and for his word. And then some because they heard he was multiplying food. I mean, if he's going to feed, let's go. Come on. Everybody do like this. I've told people, if you feed them, they will come. Just like last Sunday when we had hamburgers and hot dogs, we fed you and you came. And they were good hamburgers. I didn't have a hot dog, but it was a good hamburger. I'm here to tell you. And if you feed them, they will come. And, and in the Gospel of John, sometimes Jesus rebuked part of the crowd because he said, the only reason you're here, you've heard that I multiplied the loaves and the fishes, and the only reason you're here is because you want me to do it again. You want me to feed you again. So there were, there were some people that followed him because he, he multiplied the food. And some followed him because... They heard that he was healing the sick and casting out the devils. Jairus came one day and he said to him, Jesus, my, my daughter's sick even at the point of death coming. That's the reason he was there, because his little girl was sick. And, and he wanted Jesus to heal her and make her well. And when it turned out, he raised her from the dead. She was that sick, but Jesus raised her from the dead. And that's why Jairus was there. And then... And then there's the daddy that had the little boy that he brought to 
the, the nine because Jesus and Peter and James and John were up on the Mount of Transfiguration and he brought them to the nine and he said, this boy's got a bad spirit in him and he, and he needs to be cast out and they prayed and they couldn't do it. Jesus came down, Jesus cast out. The only reason that guy was there because his boy needed God to touch him, needed Jesus to heal him, needed Jesus to cast out that spirit. And there were some that, that the reason they were there was because he was healing the sick and casting out the demons. Then there were others that wanted to hear his teaching. You know, there, there are places in the scripture that the people said, nobody ever taught like this man. Man, he speaks with authority. Nobody ever taught like this man teaches. But there were some that were there just because they were curious. He had gathered a crowd, and they wanted to go see what's happening. You know, it's just like when there's a wreck out on the interstate. Everybody has to stop and look, you know. Slow down, cause more wrecks, you know. But they were curious. Look at that crowd. Let's go see what's, what's going on. You know, Herod was kind of curious. He didn't really follow the Lord, but, but out of curiosity, the Scripture says he, he wanted to see him when Jesus was on his way in the process of going to the cross and, and, and dying for us. In Luke chapter 23, verse number 8, they sent him to Herod. And it says, and when Herod saw Jesus, he was exceeding glad, for he was desirous to see him for a long season because he had heard of the many things and he had hoped to have seen him do some miracle. Herod wanted to see him do a miracle. So he was curious. He was curious. And apparently, Zacchaeus was there because he was curious. He's not sick, not hungry. He's rich. He's not hungry. Doesn't have anybody that needs a demon cast out or, or you know, it's certainly not close to Jesus. But the crowd would gather it and, and he was curious. And so he, he went and he, he climbed up in the tree so that he could see Jesus. So I have to ask, I have to ask this morning, why are you here? Why are you here? What is it that has attracted you this morning? To be a part of this group. What is it that attracts you to the work and the word and the wisdom of the Lord? What is it that attracts why are, why are you here? Ask yourself that question. Why, why am I here? So first thing we see in this is the curious tax collector. Curious tax collector. The next thing we notice are, are the critical tagalongs. Here's another reason that some people followed Jesus. They followed to criticize. Now, some of us here, not all of us, but some of us here are old enough to remember Brother George Brazel. George Brazel was a great friend of mine, and, and uh, he was one of my mentors. And uh, years ago, long before he went to be with the Lord, he told me one time, he said, Martin, in any crowd, statistics show that 2% attend just for the opportunity to criticize. 2%. Who is it? Lyle, is it you? I doubt it. I doubt it. I doubt that's the reason Lyle's here. That's what George said. In, in any crowd, statistics show that 2% come just for the opportunity to criticize. You see, their issue was 
They saw it. Now this is in verse number 7. They saw it. They murmured saying he was gone to be, be guest with a man that is a sinner. They criticized. He'd gone to be with a sinner. Luke chapter 15 verse number 2 records that the enemies of Jesus said, This man receiveth sinners and eateth with them. He received sinners. You see, we don't know specifically who, specifically who this group was because they are described as the they. You know, how many times do you hear somebody say, they say, they did this, they did that. And here in this scripture, they are described as the they. You see, we know that Jesus had critical enemies. There were the Pharisees who were the legalists of that day. There were the Sadducees who were the liberals of that day. There were the scribes who were the scholars of that day. There were the lawyers who interpreted the Mosaic law in that day. There were the Herodians who were the followers and disciples of Herod in that day. And these were enemies of Jesus. And at one time or another they were all critical and made attacks in one way or another against the Lord. But here, these are not delineated as a group. But the group of critics here is the they. They were the they. You see, chances are some were critical because they wished Jesus had chosen them to go home with them. I wish Pastor Brooks had gone with me. Actually, I wish he would take me home with him so I could eat at his table, you know. But, <laughs> but it probably, probably they said, I wish, why did Jesus pick him and not me? Why did Jesus go with him and not me? And so, they, you see, they would have cut Jesus off from a truly needy person over a technicality. Over a technicality. And here I have to ask, am I, are we part of the they? You know, some people say, well, we've never done it that way before. So what? If we've never, it doesn't make any difference if it works to build the kingdom and to touch the lives of those that need to be in the presence of Jesus. Don't worry about it. If it's not illegal and immoral, you know, everything that's not illegal, it's fattening. You know. But if, if, if there's nothing wrong with it like that and it can be used to build the kingdom of God, don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. But you see, I have to ask, am I, there, I guarantee you there are times I'm part of the they. And my guess is that at one time or another, most of you, maybe all of you, are part of the they. Okay? So we have the curious tax collector, we have the critical tagalongs, and then 
we have the convert's testimony. If we called the newest convert in this group up this morning, and I'm not sure who that would be, but if we called the newest convert up in this group this morning and, and we asked him to, to testify, I, I wonder what we would expect that person to say. Would we expect them to say something about, I love the Lord with all my heart, and I've asked him to forgive me of my sins, and I'm going to do my best to live for him all the rest of my life? Now, first of all, let me tell you, there's nothing wrong with that. Nothing wrong with that. I would hope new converts would say, I love Jesus. I have fallen in love with Jesus. And I am. I'm going to do my best to live for him. But... But the thing about it is, that isn't what we hear Zacchaeus say. That's not what we hear him say. We hear him first say, I will reach out to those with needs and I will generously help them. Now here's a rich man. When we read the text, it said he was rich. He was rich. And he says to Jesus, I'm going to take half of everything that I've got and I'm going to give it to the poor. I'm going to take care of those that are hungry and those that are hurting. I'm going to give 50% of everything that I've got. And I'm going to help take care of the poor. I'm going to help people. that, And I'm going to do it generously. Generously. The second thing that we read here is that he says to Jesus, I will reach out to those that I have offended. And I will make things right. Between us. Isn't that interesting? Nothing about loving Jesus. Nothing about living for him the rest of his life. Nothing for him about those things. But he said, I'll help the poor and I'll make things right between me and other men. You see, when he said that, Jesus said, this day is salvation come to this house. Isn't it interesting that vertical correction had a horizontal impact? Isn't that interesting? Vertical correction had a horizontal impact. You see, change Cain. Pastor has said it I don't know how many times, and I agree with him 100%. If you get saved and your life doesn't change, something's wrong. You need to get saved again if your life hasn't changed. And change came. You see, it was not reflected by how spiritual he was on Sunday morning. It wasn't reflected in that but it was reflected by the way he treated other people. When he got things right with God, he made things right with men. I want to do that. I want to do that. You know, once in a while, I hurt somebody's feelings. I don't do it intentionally. But when you talk as much as I do, once in a while, you'll hurt somebody's feelings. Don't laugh at that, Lord. You know it's true. (laughs) You hurt somebody's feelings. 
when I do that, and I know it, and I don't always know it, but when I do that and I know it, I, I try to apologize. I want to make it right. I hope if I've hurt you that I've apologized. And if I haven't, I'm sorry. Because I don't, intend, I don't like to hurt people's feelings. I don't, I don't like to do that. But Zacchaeus was marked because of the way he treated people. He treated people. My, I, I, re, I remember as a boy that one, one night after service, one, or one night during service, the Lord had gotten hold of me and I'd gone to the altar and I cried and I prayed and I talked in tongues and I just had a, a real praying through. You know, we, we used to talk a lot about praying through. I had a real praying through. Now, I don't know how I had act, acted before then. But the next morning before I left for school, my mother said to me, you know, I can see a difference in you. You really had time with the Lord last night. I, I didn't realize I'd changed, but mom saw it. And if you change, people will see it. People will see it. If you change, people will see it. So there was the, the, the curious tax collector. There was the critical tagalongs. Then we hear the convert's, convert's testimony. And finally we come to the, the core truth. The core truth. Luke 19.10. For the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. This statement. This verse. This truth is what this whole encounter with Jesus is about. That's what it's about. Jesus called Zacchaeus out of that tree, not because he needed a buddy, but he called Zacchaeus out of that tree because he was lost and he needed to be saved. And he cared about him. And he wanted to redeem his life from hell. He cared about him. You see, verse 10 is the core truth of this passage. Scholars will tell you that verse 10 is the core truth of the entire gospel of Luke. It's the key scripture of the gospel of Luke. But I will tell you, in fact, verse 10 is the core truth of the entire Bible. It's what it's all about. Redeeming lost mankind. That's what it's all about. That's why Jesus came. Jesus came and he taught. Jesus came and he healed. Jesus came and he cast out demons. Jesus came and he did miracles. Jesus came and he multiplied, uh, multiplied the bread. Jesus came and he calmed the storms. But that isn't the reason he came. Those are all peripheral. He came to save lost souls. He came to save lost souls. You see, God's plan, God's purpose, God's proclamation is all about reaching out to those who are lost. And in the beginning, that's all of us. That's all of us. You see, and providing a way to bring us back into right relationship with him. They criticized. 
But in reality, the master opens his arms to embrace all of us. You may just go home with Zacchaeus. But if you will receive him, his arms are open because all of us, all of us are sinners in need of a Savior in the beginning. All of us. Bill Gaither put it this way in words of a song years ago. He came down to my level when I couldn't get up to his. With a strong arm, he lifted me up. To show me what living is. You really, really live when you find Jesus as your Savior. You really live. So what do we take away from this? What is it that we take away? First of all, in the beginning, there is no wrong reason. To pay attention to what Jesus is doing and saying. I don't care why you're here today. You're here. You know, Paul said to, uh, I believe it was the Philippians. Paul said to them, you know, the, the, the gospel is preached for several reasons. He said, some preach it out of spite. And he said, I preach it out of love. But he said, it doesn't make any difference. Whatever reason, the gospel is preached. You know, and... I don't care why you're here this morning. The Lord is here with his arms open. So in the beginning, it doesn't make any difference why you're here. You're here. You're here. And the Lord wants to touch your life. The Lord wants to touch your life. Second thing that I want you to take away from this is be careful. We are all potentially part of they. Be careful. You'll, you'll, be, you'll become part of the they. You'll become part of the critical. You'll be, become part of those who condemn. You'll become part of those who judge if you're not careful. So be careful or you'll become part of the they. Thirdly, a right relationship with God will affect our relationship with the people around us. I treat my wife different because I'm a Christian. I treat my kids different because I'm a Christian. I treat you different. Oh, I know I tease you all the time, but you know, I tease people that I like. You know what that means? I like everyone. Because you're all targets of my teasing. But I treat people different. I love people because of my relationship with Jesus. And your relationship with Jesus will cause you to treat people different. It will cause you to treat people different. And the last thing is God is still reaching down to lift up fallen mankind. Jesus is here. You don't see him. But Jesus is here this morning with his arms open, his hand stretched out, his spirit pleading with you, I'm here to do a work in your life this morning. Jesus 
is here.